the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here in Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom. And it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. Of course, I'm joined in studio once again by our wonderful producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Another happy Saturday to you, Rebecca. Yes, yes. How are you? I am very good. Uh, getting closer and closer. I, You know, I'm, I'm not a huge winter fan. Right. And uh, so with every passing week, I say it's closer to spring break. Absolutely. Here we are <laughs> in the middle of the month like already. Not because I don't like being at school, yep. but because I don't love the weather. <laughs> right. No, I understand that. My kids, when they're outside, I mean, they're out playing with the neighbors for about four, five hours at a time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done after 10 minutes. I'm going yeah, back inside. I know. We yeah. kind of become winsome adults. Yeah, right? I think so. Well, I nearly so. 10 months after Governor Walls closed Minnesota schools as part of his plan to combat the spread of the coronavirus, the state's elementary schools are finally making their plans to reopen for in-class learning. And I believe that, that is that starting could this be week. that week, right? That's yes, what I was thinking. The 18th was is the week. first yeah. day. Yeah. And so we're talking just two days from now, Monday. Yeah. And... A little bit uh, last week, we or quite a bit, we, we spoke about faculty and staff at Liberty Classical Academy and uh, how busy they were implementing a plan for the return to the classroom. And this took place on the first day of the school calendar last summer on August 31st. So yeah. it's been in-person learning for five days a week uh, for the last five months, which has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. And actually, now we're going into six, really. Six, yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. Yes, we are. And so we did discuss a little bit last week about how things have progressed over the last four months and how faculty and families are feeling about the decision uh, uh, now that schools were reopened last August, how they've uh, grown in that. And uh, Rebecca Hagstrom, our wonderful uh, LCA headmaster and, of course, founder and host of this uh, radio program, she's going to be answering some more questions tonight as a means really of encouragement to families and children who are heading back into the classroom in any of Minnesota's public schools, the lower schools, the elementary schools, as early as this coming Monday. We mm-hmm. just want to uh, help ease any fears that uh, may be out there right. with that. Mm-hmm. So, but let's go ahead and pick up this conversation uh, from what we were discussing last week. As mm-hmm. the school year has progressed, mm-hmm. and we are in the winter months now, how have you seen an uptick in family inquiries? And if so... Why do you think this is occurring? Yeah. So we have seen a huge uptick in inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started the year with quite a few families coming in right before the school year started after Governor Walls announced, um, you know, his recommendations where basically he left it up to the school districts, but he had that formula for people to figure things out. And if you remember, um, based on cases in your area, a lot of the school districts went way beyond what 
really was necessary, even according to Governor Walz's guidelines. And so as schools were deciding to either not open at all or they were going to open to hybrid, even in the elementary schools, we got a huge uptick right before school started. And we thought, okay, well, you know, that'll probably last a couple weeks into the school year, but then it'll probably, you know, kind of pale off at that point. It never, it never slowed down. Um, we have had a steady stream of people coming all fall. And um, we just had seven new students start right after Christmas. We've wow. got another three starting um, in, you know, the, the first week of the semester and uh, our second semester. And it's been just amazing to watch. Our poor admissions director has no extra time. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to be breathing yep. between, you know, this year and next year because now she already starts getting busy for next year. Mm-hmm. And um, the beauty of it all is that um, these families that are coming, many of them had considered coming to either a private Christian school or even specifically our school, Liberty Classical Academy, um, but they just didn't for one reason or another. And this was really the impetus they needed to really get serious about looking at it. So the, the nice thing is I think the vast majority of those who've come plan to stay, mm-hmm. and it's not just a parking spot for a year with their kids. Now, some some it might be. We mm-hmm. might we might lose a few, but yes, and they are so thankful once they get here to be in person. Those kids are hungry. Yeah, what are some of the things from... that the families are relaying to administrators oh, when they talk well, about their wanting oh, to check out the school? They they just they have well, a lot of these kids have been online cuz a lot of the influx throughout this fall and into the winter has been middle middle school students and a couple upper school students as well. Um, and they've been stuck online since last March. Mm-hmm. So they are hungry for interaction. Sure. They're hungry to be able to really learn because, as we talked about last week, it's very difficult to learn um, distance ed, using distance ed. It just doesn't work well. Um, so they come and they are just overwhelmed with thankfulness that yeah. they can actually come into a classroom in person um, you know, we obviously recognize the mask mandate. So, you know, we've, we've got a few kids that are exempted, but many of the kids are wearing masks. But even with that, they don't care. They're just glad to be there. With other so people. with other people, exactly. Yes. Right. Would you say a lot of these families, though, that you've been discussing, are they coming from public schools, homeschool? Like what's kind of their yeah. background? Um, oh, boy, I think almost exclusively from public schools mm-hmm. now that you say that, mm-hmm. um, because those are the ones that mostly did the hybrid or, or online distance learning. Sure. Um, and and like I said, they are now they're saying, oh, my goodness, I had no idea what we were missing because the educational experience that they're having at Liberty is so much stronger than what they had in their previous school settings. And so we're hearing that, too, that I didn't know what we were missing I had no idea education could be like this. My child is excited to go to school every day. And they, even back when they were in person at their old schools, they weren't excited to go to school. Right. So um, they they are just completely blown away by the type of experience their children are having. See, this is very encouraging to hear, especially, and just on behalf and thinking about the families that attend public schools is, you know, take a step, you know, inquire, yeah. call, yeah. visit. You may be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yep. in terms of what opportunities lie before you to make that change. And it doesn't even have to be COVID-related. Right. That's so true. And that's not just for Liberty, but any any, any of the private schools in the Twin Cities, especially the Christian schools, I know that, that I, I don't think I know of a single Christian school that didn't open to in-person learning mm-hmm. um, in the Twin Cities. So, and, and, and then that goes for both Protestant and Catholic. So um, 
you know, I would definitely encourage people to, if you've got a private Christian school in your area and that is a faith that you are, you know, I think a lot of our listeners are of that faith. Um, I would encourage them to, yes, contact that local uh, Christian school. And, you know, a lot of schools are giving scholarships to help out. Sure. And so it's it's not... Um, you don't want to let money be that barrier. You want to do what's best for your kids and trust God to provide what you need to make that happen. And see, that's interesting because maybe families that would have defaulted, well, money is the barrier just based off of a stereotype because a desperate situation yeah. really showed them really the destructive influence that's yes. going on in the minds and in the learning abilities of their kids. They've yeah. made a way now, it right. sounds like. It's, that's, yeah. that's absolutely right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you are listening to our wonderful program here, Education Nation, with our headmaster from Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, as we are discussing the reopen. We're giving an update on the in-person reopen that took place at Liberty Classical Academy back in August for many families across the Twin Cities metro and across the state of Minnesota. Starting on Monday, the elementary schools will start to reopen for in-person learning. And mm-hmm. so we are discussing this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what strategies and quarantine procedures does Liberty Classical Academy have in place to respond to notification, say, of a positive test result for mm-hmm. COVID? Mm-hmm. Well, we ask our parents, first of all, we ask our parents to keep their children home if they are experiencing any of the COVID-type symptoms. And or if they are as parents until they know, um, until they've been tested to find out if they're COVID positive or not. Because what we have seen, and I think this is pretty consistent, I've talked to other school leaders, what we have seen is most of the kids are getting the cases from adults, not the other way around. Yes. Which is interesting because that's one of the reasons, you know, the unions are using for not wanting to go return to in-person learning is, well, we don't want our teachers to get sick from the kids. Well, what we have found and what other school leaders are finding is it's usually the other way around. The kids are getting it from the adults, and it's usually an adult in their family. Mm-hmm. So we've asked parents, please keep your kids home if either you or your child is experiencing mm-hmm. symptoms. And that way we minimize the contact until they know. And some parents just choose to keep their kids home for, you know, back until just right before Christmas, the recommended guideline was, you know, 14 days if you've been exposed, mm-hmm. 10 days if you've had it yourself. And so some parents just chose to keep their kids home um, and not get them tested, but we encourage people to get them tested. And um, and then once we find out that there is a positive case, we ask the teacher or uh, in a student, um, well, actually in a parent too, the parents inform us. So we ask them to inform their division director and or the nurse, and then that goes to a COVID team. Um, and we then track when that person's symptoms began, mm-hmm. and then we contact trace from there. So um, K through five, what we found is that because there's so much, as I mentioned in our show last week, there's so much interaction in a classical education that it's very difficult to keep kids socially distanced right. all day long in an elementary classroom anyway, but especially in a classical classroom. And so what we decided is if there are positive cases in a K five section, we would have to quarantine the whole class. And so we did, not the whole class, but that whole section. Mm-hmm. So we did have to do that. For our first grade, one first grade section was actually quarantined, I think, twice. Unfortunately, that, that group got hit twice mm. between the beginning of the year and Christmas. And then we had a fifth grade classroom that did quarantine also one time. And so, you know, it's been minimal. And then middle and upper school, there we have seating charts. And we ask the teachers to mimic the seating charts in all the different classes to the, to the degree they can. 
And again, we're at an advantage in the sense that we can do a lot of the social distancing, not in every class, but in, in some. And we ask the teachers to stand at least six feet away while they're teaching. Um, obviously, they have to go around and answer questions. Then they can't. So there, we contact Trace basically on the basis of who that student sits next to. Sure. And um, the CDC and the MDH define it as, you know, six within six feet for 15 minutes cumulative over 24 hours. And so we're looking for those ones that those kids have been next to for that period of time. Teachers help us track that. And then we ask them to quarantine. And now the quarantine is shorter because of the changes that the CDC and the MDH made. Okay. I was going to ask you this question later, but since you brought up the process of quarantine and students staying home, uh, how has the school incorporated a distance learning model for students in classrooms that have been quarantined? And if that's happened, what does the distance learning model look like for students that are learning? Yeah, um, good question. So we, uh, at the beginning of the year, really all the way up until Christmas, we provided recordings um, rather than doing a live Zoom just because we had, you know, most of our kids in school. And so it's not easy to provide both in-person and Zoom at the same time. It's a lot of work on on the teacher. And a lot of schools are doing that, but I'm telling you, these that's a lot to ask of the teachers. Sure. And so we chose to do recordings of core classes for the lower school and the middle and upper school in the case that kids were quarantined for COVID. But then starting after Thanksgiving, because of the, um, the, the holiday and people getting together, um, because we knew that there was a surge, um, we decided to offer then live Zoom options for the students for that three-week period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And a handful of of kids chose that. Some were using it because they were quarantined. Um, Some were using it just because their parents were concerned. And then we offered that same option last week, or I guess the first week of January, that we were back. And then now we're back to um, the recorded options for K through 5 if someone is sick. And then we will do Zoom now for those who are quarantined in the middle and upper school. Okay. Is that something that will remain in place through the rest of the school year? Is it available? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. But not but not just by choice out of, you know, concern. Necessity, yeah. Yes, it's it's necessity if you are being quarantined right. for one reason or another. Now if there were another surge, um, then we would probably offer that option again sure. just for families who are concerned. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And those recordings, are they about an hour long still or are they even longer For the than lower that? school, it's a little bit more than that because we added the science and the history to it. Right. So Which, I think it's yeah. probably more like an hour and a half or two hours. Got it. Um, for the middle and upper school, obviously, if they're zooming in, it's their whole day whole other day. than... Yep. Fayed's tough, so we don't do Fayed. Right. So. Go outside and run around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're feeling better. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, prior to the start of the school year, um, you touched on this a little bit last week about the new air circulation system yes. that was installed in the mm-hmm. in the school building. Why is the new system unique, and how much of a difference do you feel the system's made in purifying the air quality in the building? Yeah. Well, it's unique in the sense that um, it's state-of-the-art from an ionization and filtration standpoint. And um, while I'm not an expert in that realm, uh, those who are understand how important that is. And so it's, it's, it's really helping capture the, the virus itself out of the air. Mm-hmm. And the virus ex- is extremely tiny. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so there's not going to be any type of ventilation system that's going to 100% capture sure. the virus. But in older buildings, and our building has three different time periods in which it was built. So the section that was oldest had been built, I think, in the 50s. And then the most recent was like 15 years ago. So that part of the building was pretty up to date, and that included the gym. Um, but the ionization got added there too, and that was really helpful. And it just gave us peace of mind going into the year to know that we've really provided the best that we possibly can for our students and our staff. And again, I can't thank the donor enough because without them, it would have been absolutely impossible for us to do this. And I do think it has made it. We have not seen significant spread at all in our school. And um, I I do have to believe that the ventilation system and filtration system had something to do with that. That is a very important point because I do remember right before Christmas in 2019, the lower school took quite a hit with flu cases. Yes. Maybe some of them were COVID cases. I think. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I remember that was... Of all the years that we've been at the school, and I know my daughter, she had the flu and a couple of other things. I mean, there was some real stuff going around. Yeah, and especially in the lower school, and that was the older part of the building. Right. So, um, I, I, yes, we, we all, in fact, that the donor, um, who was an engineer, yes, um, walked through the building with me this summer in in July before we did any of this, and he he made that comment. He said, um. You know what were your what were what were your health records like last year? You know, did you have a lot of kids out sick? And and I said, well, really, just the week before Christmas. And mm-hmm. said, do you think ventilation would help that? Adding, you know, and he's like, one hundred percent. You know, and it's so, been a one hundred percent difference. Yes, it's been yes, wonderful this year. Yeah, it really has been. And that's not nothing to say. You know, I mean, that's the way it is. A lot of the schools are older. They were built in the nineteen fifties and sixties and seventies, and and so. That's just part of it. You can't you can't change it unless, in our case, we were very fortunate to have someone that was able to help us. Absolutely. Well, if you were just tuning in, you were listening to Education Nation here on AM twelve eighty, The Patriot, discussing with LCA headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom. Just the reopen from in person class learning that started back in August. How that has progressed over the course of the year as families across the state are getting ready to send their elementary Mm -hmm. school students back into classrooms starting this Monday. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to go back a little bit, too, about uh, the hybrid model, the Mm -hmm. distance learning um, for students that have been quarantined and also for faculty members. How has the academic performance been for these students? Have they been able to kind of keep up having to, you know, learn from home? Are they staying right in the thick of things? How would you Mm -hmm. describe that? Um, I would say it's mixed. It depends a lot on the student themselves and how long they've had to be at home. Mm -hmm. Um, For those kids who are quarantined, it's usually a short enough period that it's been okay. That one first grade class, when they had to go online the first time because we had one positive case in that class, the teacher said it was tough. That transition was tough. She felt like many days it was just getting them used to how do we do this, you right. know, because they're so little. But then, unfortunately, it happened to that same class, uh, that same section of first grade a second time. And she said the second time she felt like that full two weeks was was definitely used. And the kids did well. And she was able to to not just maintain, but actually gain ground as she would have if she was in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But those kids that um, chose to be home longer, you know, so who are um, maybe in the middle and upper school or even in the lower school who are, who've been um, 
using distance learning during that three-week period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that was a little tougher because that's three weeks. That's a long time. It is. You know, to be out of your classroom and trying to keep up and not having that, as I said in the past or last week, it's so important to have that time with your teacher. Right. And, you know, they can set up a time to Zoom and talk, but it's not the same as being there. It mm-hmm. just isn't. So okay. um, so they've kept up, but it's certainly not ideal. It's challenging. Yeah. Absolutely. So we hear it from the student's perspective. What's the morale been like, say, for the parents of these students as their students have been home trying to learn? Yeah. How are they oh, doing? that's hard. The parents, everybody just feels broken when a class, you know, like I said, it's happened three times. Sure. Well, and then if I count, there was a preschool also that had to be. So I sometimes I forget about the preschool. Um, and the parents, of course, are very disappointed because they, they know it's not as good for their kids. And um, they know they are going to be that one that has to be with their kids and help them navigate. And, you know, yes, the teacher's still teaching and uploading. It's a lot of work for the teacher still, but it's a lot of work for the parents too, because they have to make sure the child gets the work done. They have to then um, load it back up so that the teacher can grade it. Mm-hmm. And if there's tests, the parent has to give the test. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of work involved and, and that's tough on, and I, on parents. I can relate to that. I mean, just from when everything was hybrid back in March, it was yeah. like if the class Zoom ended mm-hmm. and then I'm sitting with one of my kids trying to navigate through a question that they're needing an answer for. Yeah. And trying to also take into context, okay, how is this maybe taught earlier when they were in the classroom? Right. And not knowing that, and my kids stumped. Yeah. You really begin to appreciate the whole thing that you mentioned last week mm-hmm. about the student, or the uh, teacher rather, moving around the classroom and yes. looking over the shoulder of the yep. kids to be able to meet them right where they're at. And instead, yep. it takes that much longer because now you got to send an email to the class. Right, right. To the teacher, help us. It's, what do we do? It's tough. And then the teacher has to try to answer all those separate questions. Right. And there'd be a lot less of them if the kids were just right there in the classroom. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. How would you rate the level of cooperation from the community when it comes to following the safety protocols that were implemented by the school? How's that gone? Um, that's gone well. I would say that at the beginning of the year, our our parents were, everybody was really vigilant. Um, but then as time went on into the fall, I think there was a little bit of laxness that set in. Um, especially um, the whole mask wearing and, you know, you're having to remind kids. And, um, you know, our staff was always good about it, but our, the, especially, you know, the older kids, they don't really want to do it if they don't have to. And uh, so there was a little bit of a reset that we needed to do as that surge hit. Then we had to remind our families once again that, hey, Unless your child has an exemption, we, we, we expect that they're going to be wearing their masks in school. And so that was really the only um, issue that we did have. Otherwise, parents were very good about keeping their kids home. I mean, that has been, I believe, one of the reasons why we've been successful is that they've kept their kids home when they're sick. And um, they're not sending them to school sick. And they're telling us when their child does feel sick. And, um and then we do the hand sanitizer in and out of the classrooms and lots of cleaning protocols. So, um, you know, it's just it's been a lot of work on the part of the teachers, too, mm-hmm. to make sure that the students are following protocol. Sure. But our families have really been wonderful. I firmly believe that that is why that's one reason why we've been so successful is because our families have been excellent. Sure. Yep. The power of agreement and unity. right? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Um, are there any lingering concerns, would you say, I mean, with faculty, students, families, as 
the reopen has now progressed to the halfway point of the school year? I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, it, a little bit um, between the Christmas or Thanksgiving and Christmas, when the surge hit Minnesota, we saw an uptick in cases at our school too. Um, like I said, we never had more than seven at any given time. Um, and our total number of cases is not significant, um, you know, relative. I, I, I think it was like a, a one, I think it might've gone up to 3% at one point, sure. you know, and which is, didn't last long, maybe one or two weeks. And so, um, that being said during that time, I think there was more nervousness on the part of a few of our staff members and a few of our families too. And, but the vast majority of our staff and families know they, they just kind of worked right through it. Right. Right. Um, and you would say that that level of comfort in terms of in-school learning with the winter months, because that always gets advertised of, oh, we're all inside now and we're not getting that exercise outside. But I will say this, and my wife is a nurse, Mm -hmm. is that the one really good thing that's come out of all of this is that people all along should have been washing their hands and not touching yes, their faces. Yes, isn't that true? And that has totally been, I think, a big thing that has helped ease those concerns and fears because people are taking the necessary precautions they're supposed to be taking. Absolutely agree with you. And when you think about little kids, you know, everybody talks about the you know real little ones with all the runny noses and they wipe their faces <laughs> yeah. and they sneeze into their hands and wipe it all over their face. And, you know, so when you're adding the protocol of washing your hands or using hand sanitizer on a regular basis, I right. mean, that alone, our doctor's panel said that that is one of the most significant things we can do. And I know it is an airborne virus, but the problem is, is that you're still touching things and, and you know, so it's on your hands, and that's how it tends to then mm-hmm. often get into your nasal passages or your eyes and, or your mouth or what have you through your hands. So, yeah, I think that's been huge. Um, and as far as winter, you know, like I said, I think there was that nervousness going into that Thanksgiving, those three weeks. But um, there wasn't a nervousness prior to that uh, for most people. A handful, yes, but most people know. Mm-hmm. And now we're just watching things, and and yes, we're inside. It's it's winter, absolutely. Um, but we have zero cases right now coming off of Christmas, and we pray that it stays that way. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what's some of the most common feedback you would say you'd receive? And you consider everything you've heard from faculty and students and their families. Like, what is maybe the common thing that keeps being reiterated mm. uh, as you? Um, we're so thankful that you're open. <laughs> that is what we hear over and over and over again, both from parents and students and even our teachers, because most of our teachers, we have a few new ones this year, but most of them were with us last spring when we went online. Yes. And everyone from, you know, the preschool all the way up to the 12th grade teachers, they said that was so difficult. To try to teach well, teach classically, and do it through Zoom was so difficult. Mm-hmm. And they they missed their kids. They lost some of their passion just the way the kids did. And um, so people are overwhelmingly thankful that we are in person. Yes. Absolutely. So as we wrap up here, we have maybe about 60 seconds here. How, what encouraging advice would you give to our listening audience as their kids, K through 12 schools, are beginning to stagger their reopens, and hopefully it'll eventually happen across all grade levels this year. What advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I would really suggest that they talk to their administration and share with them that other schools have done this successfully. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously the schools are going to be setting kind of the, the parameters the way we set our parameters. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I would just encourage them to make sure that they're following the guidelines that the school has, that they are um, making sure that their kids are getting plenty of rest, um, making sure that kids are eating healthy. Yes. And, um, you know, they say that uh, vitamin D is very essential for immune systems as a zinc. And yep. so just making sure your kids are healthy and strong and getting the rest that they need, I think, is one of the best ways to ensure a successful uh, time back in school. And for all of you adults, take those multivitamins. Yes, and get your exercise. Yes, yes, very, very important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation for the last two weeks. Again, we want to say thank you to our headmaster at Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom. That's going to do it for this program tonight. If you'd like to listen to this podcast or any of our other shows, you can go to ednationmn.org or check us out over on Facebook at Education Nation Radio. Good night. <laughs>